what I learned to do from my own experience is frame it up properly, gather the lessons, and then do things that were productive versus allowing, Scott, the feelings to overwhelm me and cause me to make another mistake. What are we talking about on the Grow Your Damn Business podcast? We're talking about business, specifically your business. Is it growing or are you stuck? How painful is that growth? Is it running you or are you running it? Are you working in your business or on your business? On the Grow Your Damn Business podcast, we explore these questions and much more. Expect a lively, spirited discussion about what it takes to grow your damn business. And now, on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Grow Your Damn Business podcast. So pleased to have everyone here listening today and to be joined by Joe Bazello, a fellow Arizonian. Uh, Joe's here in Scottsdale, Arizona, and Joe is the co-founder of Mentum. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here, Scott. Yeah, great, great to be here and appreciate your taking some time out of your Friday to, to catch up with us. Um, Joe, why don't you just give us a little background of what brought you to Mentum, and then we'll, we'll talk about some of the other uh, parts of your journey uh, that, that you've taken uh, across your entrepreneurial life. How, how far back do you want me to go? <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave that to you, Joe. You know, when I was this young boy, you know, I'll, let, I'll let you kind of just pick us up. What, what were some of the things that got really got you started and thinking about, okay, I want to do something on my own as opposed to working for somebody else? Yeah, that's the theme of our show and those decision points that people face time and again about, hey, is it I'm going to do it for somebody else or is it, you know, this, this, is, this is my time. I got something I want to do here. You know, the, the good question and the, the genesis of me becoming an entrepreneur was, I think, all about me watching my father, who uh, we lost a number of years ago from cancer. He was a tremendous man. I wish for everyone to have a father like I had. He was a self-made uh, engineer. He became an aerospace engineer. He was a master mechanic. Uh, there wasn't anything. He was that type of guy in the neighborhood. When something broke down, everyone came to our house to have his nickname was Buzz. Buzz would fix it. He has the tools and he has the knowledge. So he was an aerospace engineer on the uh, Apollo missions. He was later in his career, he was a uh, service manager uh, for uh, General Motors. And he he had these great jobs. I thought they were very big jobs at the time, but obviously the aerospace industry crashed and he got laid off. And I watched him you know, work hard to reinvent himself and find another job only to get laid off uh, later in life before he was ready to retire uh, for you know reasons unknown, uh, certainly not performance. They wanted a younger guy in there. And he finally retired at age 63. And by age 64 and a half, he was just Part B eligible at the time. Uh, he was diagnosed with cancer. And I think he collected, Scott, about three or four Social Security checks. And wow. so I asked the question, what's wrong with this picture? And yeah. I just thought it was so unfair that a person lives their life and works for the company store for so many years and doesn't actually get to you know, realize that wonderful uh, freedom of retirement and travel and you know that my mom was robbed of, uh, of, of that because of his death. So that was a big part of it. And yeah, can, at a very imagine. early age, I decided not to go to college. And part of that was, I think I had undiagnosed ADD. <laughs> at <laughs> the time, like, no one grabbed it, but you do it yourself, right? It's like, that's that's not for me. Yeah, and I've yeah. met a lot of people over the years that said, yeah, that was kind of me too. I didn't go to school. I was intelligent. I was a voracious learner. 
I was a ratios reader, but I couldn't sit in a classroom. But I decided to start uh, selling in, in insurance at a very early age. At age 18, I got an insurance license and I did very well at that. And of course, I was promoted when you're uh, great at selling. They make you a sales manager. Of course, and, always the way. Sales manager, the way. leader. I had a great deal of success and it wasn't all linear. I had some tremendous, um, I made some great money very early in my career, but also had uh, some tremendous challenges and, and detours from what I would call a, you know, pinnacles of success. I had very early in com- uh, my career, I had a good friend and a mentor who turned out to to be a criminal. He was operating a, a real estate Ponzi scheme in Los Angeles where where I grew up. And me and my family actually had a significant amount of money invested with them. And wow. that was a tremendous uh, <laughs> setback Shoot. for me yeah. and my family. He served uh, four years of a six-year sentence. And obviously, our, our friendship ended. But that was a tremendous detour. And uh, I've had other detours. But the, the, the path of success was built on me. I, I had a very early mentor a uh, man by the name of Jimmy Hill, who said, it's it's okay to learn from your own experiences, but it's actually even better to learn from other people's experiences. And he said, look around you, start to look around and, and emulate the kind of people, business people and, and family men that you want to be. And when he told me that, and, and that he, he mentioned that to me in 1987, and it made a lot of sense to me. And I really, that's the point I started really looking at my experience and, and asking the question, how can I use that? I fell down, but how can I use that experience to fall forward? So I started falling forward, and I use that phrase a lot. I started falling forward in my life and my business. If I was going to make an error, what did I learn from that error? What could I learn from looking around at other people's experiences? And I started to become a great student of my peers, as well as in their experience, what they were doing well, what they were doing that didn't work, so I could avoid those those pitfalls. So I wound up. Um, I guess it's uh, better to be lucky than good. I wound up being given an opportunity to uh, take a what was called a scratch territory, a territory with no salespeople and no accounts for a little company that was based out of Columbus, Georgia, and they sold cancer insurance. And so I took the opportunity. I thought it's either the best opportunity I could take or the worst because there was no one in the territory except me. And it worked out to be a good opportunity over the next two decades. um, We built that to a $130 million business. And I did it independently as an agency owner inside of that company's uh, framework. The company went on to create a, a spokes duck and they are now known as <laughs> we <laughs> might we might know that duck yeah absolutely yeah so just a couple things there I'd love to, I'd love to get back to um, so so the first was I, I love the the part about the just the lessons learned from others and and through the power of observation so critical right just keeping your eyes and ears open to what's going on around you and and, and apply that I, I you know true truly valuable. When you have had those setbacks, and, and obviously the, the one tough to overcome when you, someone's running a crim, criminal enterprise, but th- those other setbacks when you've had them, is there a something that you come back to, something that you ground in? You know, when we you when we talk to our clients and we use the EOS framework, we talk about hitting the ceiling, and you know we all have them, right? It, growth is never linear, so you hit these ceilings, and we've got uh, five leadership abilities that we try to help our clients with. Say, this is where you come back to when you hit that ceiling. Is there anything? For you, that's been consistent that you've been able to say, I'm going to 
I know where to go. Like I'm stuck again, but I, but I know where to go. If I call on this, I'll, I'll get back on track. Yeah, and I didn't, and, and I didn't have a formal. And and by the way, the EOS methodology is phenomenal for any small or mid-sized company to lock into. I would urge them to read the book Traction and contact Scott yourself or uh, someone else who <laughs> appreciate is, the plug. Thanks, Joe. No, no, it's a, it's yeah. a phenomenal framework. Uh, I was, uh, I didn't have a formal framework to rely on. So I kind of created an acronym for myself called uh, MOVE. And every time I got, I, I love, by the way, I love, and I think you've probably heard this quote. It's the Mike Tyson quote. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. It's perfect. It's, it's just a fantastic, it's just a fantastic quote, obviously, in a, said in a rough manner, but you know, you do love it. You call it back to it. It's going to happen. And, and that's the, that's the, that's the first lesson to learn is that it is not going to go in a straight line. There is no story of any entrepreneur of any business that's been built, whether it's now a public company, private company, or it's your own company where that's not, that's going to happen. You're going to, all of a sudden something unexpected is going to happen. You're going to be like, Oh crap. What do I do now, right? I mean, so that's that's why I just well, I, I just yeah, took I, one to the just took one to the jaw. Okay, I got to do yeah. something about it. And you know, where do you go to to get yourself kind of up off the mat and moving forward? You know, Eric von Alstein has done some great work um, in some of his writings about, and, and I actually wrote about this in my first book. I didn't mention this, but I've now written six books. I've now officially written more books than most people have read. So. Uh, when you get into that. Complete <laughs> side note and tangent alert here, but I just read something like the average person reads half a book after like middle school or some, some crazy, the, the stat was, well, I just, I caught like a little clip on, on some, some streaming stores and I was like, what? Is that just, just crazy to, that, that, that learning journey stops for so many people so early. Um, so congrats, yeah, Huey. I, I think I guess, it's a shame. I, yeah. I, you know, I was taught very early by a mentor, Bud Cole, he said something to me. I was with my my first company that I sold insurance with, uh, Pennsylvania Life. Bud was the agency director, and and he asked me to go buy and read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, the old you know 1930s classic. And I went and bought it and read it cover to cover. And he was so impressed. I the first week the the book was tattered and worn from my highlighter. I still keep a highlighter by my <laughs> gotta have it. I, I I got one as well. I mean, I got gotta have it because that's. You're going to pick up stuff, right? And he's, he's, so it sounds like there's some lessons learned as, in there as well, right? But you were talking about MOVE. You want to go back to that acronym yeah, that, that you absolutely. introduced. Yeah. He yeah. said one thing, and I don't want to lose this. And yeah. this is one of the most important um, pieces of advice I've ever received from a mentor. He said, in five years from now, and this was back in 1979, he said, in five years from now, you're going to be a product of uh, what you read and who you associate with. So you better choose those things very carefully. And that was, for me, that was the the genesis of the learning modalities that I went back to whenever I was punched in the face. And the MOVE acronym is, first, the M is for mentors. So mm -hmm. I started to very intentionally collect mentors in my business and personal life. And so when I hit a wall, I, I always knew there was a mentor, in some cases, several mentors I could bounce my thoughts off of to get some input and feedback to get back on track. So M is for mentors and O is for observation. I became very keenly interested in everything that was going on around me. What there, I feel, and I know you believe this, in business, there's always a model that we could emulate. There's oh, always yeah. a working model. What can we emulate from that model? We don't have to copy it or duplicate it completely or in totality, but 
what can we observe and emulate from that that would help us? So observations became very important. Whenever I got hit in the face, I'd look around and say, well, what are other people doing or what have other people done to move themselves out of a similar position? So observations, just observing everyone in a in a similar position or role around me. Um, and then V is for voices. Uh, and the voices were the voices I chose to put in my head after Bud Cole said, you know, what you read is what you'll become a product of. I continued to read. He challenged me very early in my career to read 15, 20 minutes every morning when I woke up to put some good and positive and productive thoughts in my head. And I still do that to this day. And so V is voices. We we need a lot of input. We need new ideas. We need fresh ideas. So you know, today's form of reading may be an audible, it may be watching a YouTube video, but voices that productive voices in our head versus unproductive. And E is just for the experience itself. And I think it's important to frame up the experience. And Eric von Alstein, who I, I mentioned, talks about uh, seeing things in a certain way. It's not seeing it with your eyes, but perceiving things a certain way and characterizing what happens to you in a certain way. And we, and we have, we don't choose sometimes what happens to us, but we do choose how we frame it up. So framing things up, framing that experience up in a certain way, so we attach the right meaning to it, so it produces positive and productive feelings, and that's the behavioral psychology of it. We see something a certain way, it creates a feeling, and then we do something about it, we take action. And if we're not framing things up uh, perfectly well for ourselves. And again, we need to be a realist. If something is negative, we could call it negative. But what what I learned to do from my own experience is frame it up properly, gather the lessons, and then do things that were productive versus allowing, Scott, the feelings to overwhelm me and cause me to make another mistake. Uh, I, I often use the analogy of great golfers. Great golfers sometimes we'll hit a bad shot, but the great golfers never hit two bad shots in a row. And the reason for that is they stop, they reflect, and they get themselves out of trouble. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it's an amazing thing. There's there are two things that, that I would really key on the first one you said, oh, and, and observe. And as you said, there, there are models out there. Uh, you mentioned EOS and I appreciate that. Obviously that's, that's where I spend my time, but we, we even say with EOS, like pick a model, pick an operating model that works for you and just stick with it. Because a lot of that failure is just in the discipline in following that and holding yourself accountable to doing it. So to your credit, you, you've obviously not only observing, but you're taking that of note and you're and you're holding yourself accountable to take the right set of actions around it. So that's that's a step that's missed all too often. Or you, you don't you know, stay the course, right? Be consistent in your application of whatever that model is, whatever you've observed. Um, so critical for, for any business owner or really any, any leader, anyone that that's, you just got to stay the course with what you're doing and then add those new elements on. So that, that is fantastic from there. And the other one, which I loved is, is just framing things. Um, talk a lot about head trash and, and what gets in the way of people being successful and, and how that self-talk and look, I am guilty of this. I'm a golfer and, and the self-talk can get you down. Right. I know I'd hit the ball, but sometimes it's like, you know, just get in your own brain. Like, what am I doing here today? And if you don't get yourself righted quickly, right. That, and let, let that, those negative thoughts, those negative things come out. And it's the same thing in the, in the business world. You let those negative thoughts permeate your world. Um, you know, it really, really can, can, when you know the right thing to do, the, the negative thoughts won't even allow you to do those or take those steps. Um, yeah, I, I love the, the, the reading in the journal. You know, the, there's a book out there right now, since we've been talking about books, I'll make a recommendation here. 
The book is called The Gap and the Gain. It's written by Dan Sullivan and, and Dr. Benjamin Hardy. This this book, if, I don't know, Joe, have you read this one? I have not. I It's on my list, actually. It, it, it's a, I mean, the, the, those two gentlemen have collaborated on, on several. I've talked about them on, on, a, on a couple of different podcasts here. But but the, the key message there is exactly what you're talking about. Remember the things that you did for each day that helped move you forward and don't dwell on the things that are holding you back. So living in the gain is the move forward. Living in the gap is, oh, what didn't I do today or what didn't work out? Right. It's going to happen, but you spend your time living in the gain is going to allow you to take the steps forward that you need. And as you mentioned, sort of reframe it, learn from it and, and go forward. So, uh, great, great stuff there all the way around. Uh, we went a lot of different places there, but I appreciate, I love that move acronym, by the way. So thank you for sharing that. Let's just talk about now. Um, I, I have two places I want to go and I want to make sure we get to both. You mentioned multiple books that, that you read there. For, just from your perspective, what was the impetus there to, to write the first one? Obviously, you've now continued doing it, but that in and of itself, it's its own entrepreneurial endeavor. That's that's alone time do, doing a book. So what what got you started there? I'd love to hear that story. And then I, I want to go down a, another uh, area of interest that you've got, which I, which I think will be fun as well. Yeah, my, my first book was entitled The CAP, C-A-P Equation. And the CAP Equation, the acronyms simply stands for uh, competencies, attitudes, and pipeline practices, which are the three areas uh, all salespeople can either fall down miserably or or master. And if, if you master your competencies, and that's what we say to a potential client um, and why we say it, and then you master your attitudes, the, the mindset and attitudes simply described for me as that six inches between your ears, getting your head right. Uh, because I've seen some very competent salespeople with horrible attitudes and and they fail. And then the third piece of this is pipeline practice is just seeing enough people. So I endeavored to take what I learned in the 35 some odd years that I coach and train salespeople and just condense it into something simple that could become an overlaying methodology nice. that could be taught by sales trainers and leaders. And I started putting that on paper and I showed it to a few folks and they said, well, that's a book. It is. So what I did is I got a coach, a writing nice. coach, and I learned yeah. how to write and it became, writing just became something I really love to do. Yeah. Love the mention of, of a coach there because it's so valuable and, and it, 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 you're fine, right? Mentors, coaches, but keep turning to folks that, that can help you along the way, right? The folks that have been there, done that, have, have paved a bit of the road and, and learned from them. So, you know, another another great lesson there, great message to, to to carry forward. Before I get into your podcast, which I think we should talk a little bit, let's just talk about Mentum and your journey in, into where you are today. Uh, you, you and Tom have have uh, been in this business for some some time. What was sort of the reason why you, you decided to jump into to Mentum and, and talk a little bit about its mission, um, if you will? I wanted to just give you a chance to, to talk about where you are today. Sure. Seven years ago, um, I relocated from Los Angeles to to Scottsdale. My wife and I, my our daughter went off to college and we thought it was a good time to break from California and, and uh, create a new place uh, and home here in Scottsdale. And we're glad we did. We love it here. And I met Tom shortly after that by accident. Not that I believe there are any accidents in life. I met him on the golf course. <laughs> and we started building peer advisory groups of entrepreneurs together, which is work we still do today. And over years of working with those groups and listening to their needs and their wants, we 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 certainly heard them clearly. But post-COVID, we heard their message even more clearly. 
and their message was, you do such a great job, you know, personally coaching and mentoring us in the C-suite. Can you go to the middle of our organization where we have these people that we've hired? We, we're hiring the best talent we could find, but it's a challenge. And I think every small and medium-sized business owner would would agree it's a challenge to find and retain talent, attract them and retain them and develop them. And they said, would you go to the middle of our organization? Would you coach all those people for us, those 10, 15, 20 people we have in the middle of our organization? Because they aren't, you know, they, they're, they're, they've never been coached to truly lead other people and manage people at a high level and execute at a high level. We just like you to go do that work. And Tom and I didn't have the bandwidth or quite frankly, the desire to do that kind of work. We just, we couldn't fit it into our calendar. And on the other side of our business, we had started coaching professional coaches, executive coaches, and we had met by, you know, the, the work of coaching them. We had met hundreds of coaches and uh, there were probably 75 to a hundred of the hundreds that we yeah. had, that we thought were some of the best leadership executive leadership coaches in the country. So Mentum Scott is just an amalgamation of those two resources, the need that our clients had of providing coaches to keep people in the middle of their organization. And we had an inventory of great coaches and coaching hours. They wanted to do more work. They're very passionate about coaching. So the Mentum platform is a software platform that enables uh, business owners to provide uh, their key people, personal executive coaching to help them move faster and execute faster and do that in a very effective and cost-effective manner. So that's, we launched Mentum just about a year ago and it's scaling very nicely. And we've helped a lot of clients in the yeah. organization with that platform. Well, so critical. You you mentioned it, right? It's just, it, particularly if it's a you know, small to medium-sized company and, and the focus just is around the growth of the company. And sometimes it's about making the payroll for the month or whatever, right? I mean, these are real challenges that entrepreneurs face and uh, yet they want to retain that talent that's going to be there for them to help them get to the next stage of growth, the next level of growth. And and it, if you're not careful, it it will go away, right? Folks will leave uh, or it won't develop as the companies develop or as the as leadership needs that middle middle tier to really get going. And if you think about it, the greatest the greatest challenge that most small companies have is they're throwing, they don't have a congealed, uh, learning and development uh, uh, program. They, they certainly, in most cases, aren't large enough to have an L&D right. department. But what they're typically doing, what we see is they're throwing generalized education at Generation Y and Z, and Generation Y and Z does not respond well. They don't even care about general education. They want to talk to someone about personally about what they're specifically struggling with, those issues. And that's called, we could we could call it a lot of things, but it's executive or personal coaching. So giving yeah. personal coaches to keep people in the organization is the fastest and most effective way to get them executing and performing at a higher level. I mean, it, it, you know, Tom mentioned this, we had Tom on, on the show previously, and, and he mentioned, I mean, there's a level of therapy associated with that as well, that folks yeah. just need, need that, right? I mean, we, we talk quite a bit about that, but that's the reality of the situation when you get into a one-on-one coaching scenario, anything can happen because it, the, the people will bring, it's, you know, you're living a life. So that stuff's going to come into work and then work's going to come into the person. I mean, there's, it's really hard to separate them too. And, and, and that in such an overlap and, and you've got to, you've got to understand both parts of it. If you're really yeah. going to have an employee, that's going to be really helpful for you within your business, but also someone that's going to stay with you, right. And, and retain them. And, and you guys are providing that valuable service to, to keep folks on board with these companies so that they can get to the, the growth that they're looking yeah. for. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay. So let me see. We've got uh, 
sales entrepreneur, we've got leadership, we've got author, we have entrepreneur in, in this in the coaching area. So let's just flip a little bit podcasting. Uh, Joe, you've got a really interesting podcast. I'd love to know the, the start of this. So the podcast is called Outside the Tank, correct? Yeah. And and you are interviewing the folks that um, that that are part of, but not making it to the final stages of Shark Tank. So just uh, tell me a little bit about how that started, and then uh, if you would, I'd love to hear one or two stories of of, of you know some some really interesting things that have happened as a result of of the show and what you've been able to do in talking to these burgeoning entrepreneurs. Yeah the the idea was um, it it was really very basic and and organic. Tom and I started talking about our love for. Um, the TV show Shark Tank, and I had uh, someone that I had mentored for many years had appeared on Shark Tank with with his product, and I learned a little bit about the process and what he went through. I invested a small amount of money in his company, so I learned about the process and shared that with Tom, and Tom just thought it would be interesting to interview some of these guys. I wonder if we can interview them on a podcast, and I said, well, let's reach out to a few. Maybe my friend Alex, who has Genius Juice, uh, maybe he knows a few, and he introduced us to a few people that were willing to jump on the podcast. And then all of a sudden we have well over a hundred <laughs> entrepreneurs and they, and they, they all appeared on shark tank. Right. Some of them got deals. Some of them didn't. Okay. Some of them got deals, but the deals never materialized. The dirty little secret is, you know, if they shake hands and hug it out on stage, it doesn't mean at all that a deal is done. There's a lot of deal points that don't get negotiated, but that was the genesis of it, Scott. And yeah. it's just been so much fun. And there's so many common themes that evolved out of it. But these are just great, wild, crazy entrepreneurs that had to figure so much out on their own. It, it was it, it's been fun talking to them. Yeah, for, yeah. It's uh, it, it's a first off, it's it's a TV show, right? So they're making it a TV show. So that's why <laughs> what happens behind the scenes, right, is a little bit different than what's what's displayed on television. They're trying to trying to sell advertisements, and it it, it is it is a show, right? Um, but any any. Do you have a story from all of your interviews there uh, that that you've done that really just stands out, kind of the wildest story or or the maybe the craziest success that that you've seen from anyone that you've that you've interviewed and talked to um, on your show? Well, with I'll, I'll give you, and without embarrassing anyone, I'll just generically give you a, sure. okay. a couple of tales. And um, one is the the greatest crash and burn we've ever seen. And you don't know someone could appear on Shark Tank and they represent themselves well on the show and. It looks like they got a deal and you never know. And so we jump on camera with this gentleman and he's in his car and he's in a kind of an open field in his car doing the podcast, which is not ideal. And right. tells a story of woe about how the company crashed and burned and he never got a deal and he put all of his money into it. And, you know, you you come off the the taping of that podcast. And as you know, as a podcaster, you say, I don't know if I can use that. <laughs> So that that didn't go as I expected it that, to go, right? You know, I was like, oh, didn't okay. see that coming. <laughs> it was not again. I don't want to embarrass a person, so I won't yeah. use names. But it it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a bad product. But and it looked like you know he he was going to take it someplace, but we didn't see that coming. So that's one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum, you know, we've talked to uh, a half dozen um, entrepreneurs that it looked like, you know, they. They didn't get a deal. They weren't even received well on air. And they went on to build, you know, substantial companies, companies that they flip for 
40 million, 50 million, 60 million dollars. And, you know, that's always interesting to see that nothing really happened on the show, but so much happened, you know, uh, uh, maybe as a result of some of their exposure. So we've seen that and then we've seen everything in the middle. And then one interesting little interlude, I was, uh, Tom and I were interviewing this mother and daughter who created, you know, a, a very unique baby product. And I'm looking at her thinking, I know her, I know her, her voice. And I think I, I've met this person, but I don't know from where. And she she got a divorce and went back to her maiden name. That's why I didn't recognize recognize the name. But in the prior company, one of the companies I worked for for many years, she was a home office representative. We must have spoken a hundred times on the phone. And here, here, you know, years later, she's the inventor. Her and her daughter are the inventor of a baby product, and they went on to sell the company for millions and millions of dollars. So, awesome. uh, so many interesting people, so many interesting stories. Uh, but the common theme goes back to the the ones that were successful. Scott, they found a process and a methodology and systems and infrastructure they they had a flywheel that was working for them yeah and that i was going to ask you that thanks for answering that question that's exactly where i was going to go like you've had so many conversations with entrepreneurs either through your the coaching that you've done some of the forms you've created and obviously these interviews of some folks that have kind of gone through that process and, and looking for funding and and uh, you know what, what is that theme that's that's on the good side, but also what do you see when you can, you can kind of, can you kind of sniff it out when it's not going to go? Like, have you seen where the where there may be a shortfall with someone that you've had a chance to speak with and and can recognize those signs? And, and if you would mind sharing a couple there, just as okay, these are the pitfalls. Um, you know, keep your eye on this. Make sure that you've got a plan when you get punched in the mouth by this thing. Punched yeah, in the mouth by this thing. Example I could give you, and I think this is going to resonate because I'm sure you've interviewed some of these business owners and decided to, quite frankly, pass on them as a consultant or coach or mentor to them. Uh, when we've come off of certain podcasts with outside the tank Shark Tank entrepreneurs, we've said they're not going to make it, and here's why. And typically, the the you know fill in the blank. Here's why revolves around their leadership acumen. So the fish rots from the head. When we're yeah. talking to someone who has a CEO title, but has no intention of actually becoming a CEO, um, they really are only faced with two choices, to step away from their product and bring in someone who could truly move the company to the next level or learn those skill sets and mindsets themselves. So in many cases, when we've identified that company, that organization, the product or service is sound, but the organization isn't going to continue to scale or make it. It's because we've determined that that, that key leader, that CEO, if you will, uh, either isn't uh, acting in the role of a CEO or is refusing to act in the role of a CEO and step away and bring someone else in. And that's a recurring theme we've seen in a percentage of the interviews as well. Yeah, I mean, it's probably the no number one thing that 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 I observe that I that I talk to is exactly that I'll say it just slightly differently you've got these folks with incredible ideas visionaries in the EOS language but truly have a vision have this great idea of something that they they want to take forward um, but then there, there comes a point in time when yes they can't do what needs to be done in terms of establishing the the core processes or making sure that they hire the right folks or 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 making sure that there is the right discipline throughout the organization they're they're managing by that instinct 
they came up with the idea in the first place. So how do they move away from managing with that instinct and emotion leading that way and turning the, that day-to-day over to someone who does think that way, a complementary piece? Uh, so in EOS language, that's a, a visionary and an integrator and getting those two folks to work together. And, and when a visionary has that integrator in place, you know, book number two in, in our attraction library is rocket fuel. And that's what you're, that's what, that's when a company takes forward when there's a realization that, okay, visionary ideas, moving forward, integrator, glue person, making sure that the, the trains are running on time, so to speak. And when you can get that going, so critical. And it's hard because you got to have dollars, right? The, you're start trying to start something and, and in order to get it to a level, you know, when do you bring that key person on? When you bring that second in command on to, to, to make your ideas a reality? That, boy, that that is a lot of folks face that issue, and and even if they realize that they, it's like, okay, do I take my money invested here? Do I take my money invested in marketing to get this thing going, or you know, development or whatever it is that they're faced with? As they have to make these trade offs and choices, if the funds are limited to, to launch what they're trying to launch, it's a cl- classic case. So uh, uh, yes, I think we're on the same page there. Yeah. Uh, Joe, th- thank you so much for that. We just get, real quick, what's next for 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 you? I, you're, you're building Mentum. Is there any other? You've had so many different uh, successes along the way here. What's uh, what's next? Is there anything next for for Mentum or for for Joe? Do we have another book on us? Are you going to take another podcast on? What, anything uh, I, that's percolating in your brain? I don't. To be um, to be brutally honest, I uh, I enjoy the writing process, so I don't think I'll ever stop writing. I don't know what form it will take. I think books have to be shorter now to, <laughs> to <Yeah>. <laughs> match the attention span of the audience. So I think books become more monographs and thinner and easier to read. And so I don't think I'll ever stop writing. Um, I don't have a great deal of interest in um, doing podcasts anymore for some strange reason. I just I don't have the need to. But writing is a uh, you know is a passion. I'll probably put more energy into that. We have no idea how big Mentum can scale. It's extremely scalable. Um, I, it, it's a passion. The Mentum product and service, the way it, it's the way it's affecting companies, is is got our attention. We have incredible testimonials from um, uh, owners, founders, executive directors about how uh, the Mentum platform has quickly and almost immediately changed the execution of their key players inside their organization. So I feel like Mentum, you know, deserves a lot of my attention right now. And then my wife, if you ask my wife, she'd like to travel a little more. (laughs) And uh, get things to do. Tell her that uh, that's a nice stage to be in, to be able to do that. It's a beautiful place to be. The, uh, the nice, the nice part about all this is, you know, we are, uh, we have some financial freedom and have had that freedom for a while. So the work I'm doing, I'm carefully choosing the work that gives me energy at this point in my life, if that makes sense. No, it, it does. And uh, uh, well, I appreciate your coming on this podcast, even though that you're not doing your own anymore. It's, it's, it's great. So many, you know, so many things to take away, uh, you know, great nuggets for, for anyone that's listening to take away and, and to put into their own work, right? We're, we're trying to help out entrepreneurs and, and let them know that, hey, you're, you're not alone out there. Others have been down this path. You mentioned it a couple of times. Look around, see what's happening. Listen to podcasts, this or other podcasts, but but take advantage of what's out there. There's resources that are there and you've got to consume those resources that, that, that'll that help you get through those ceilings, break through. And, and uh, I appreciate your sharing some of the things that have worked so so well for you over the course of time. Well, my, my pleasure. And, and entrepreneurs can't 
get to the where, where they want to get alone. We weren't meant to get through life or business alone. Right. We need other great voices. And and this was a great interview. This is fun for me. You asked some great questions. So thank you. I appreciate it. Peter. Before you go, we're going to do our fast five questions here. This is just to get a little bit to get to know, to get to know Joe. So uh, just five quick questions here, rapid fire. So if you're ready, I'm going to fire them at you. Then we'll get a, we'll give you a chance to, to let people know how they can get a hold of you. That's okay, Joe. Absolutely. Ready? Okay. Joe, favorite sports team? Dodgers. What would you eat for your last meal? Fried chicken. What is your dream vacation spot since the, what, your wife would like to travel a bit? What's the, what's the dream? We're leaving Thursday, next Thursday for the British Virgin Islands. Nice, nice. What do you, is there a favorite movie that you go back to, an all-time favorite, or a TV show you're streaming right now since streaming is, is the thing? What's the what, favorite, what's favorite for you? Favorite movie, Godfather 1. Of yes. Um, second favorite movie, Goodfellas. Nice. And we I, are... I'm sensing something. Bazello, <laughs> Godfather. Gonna, I don't know. I'm, it's coming to me here. I don't know. I'm not you a made man, but uh, <laughs> lifestyle to study from afar. We're currently streaming uh, Suits. We never saw Suits, and we're oh, yeah. we're streaming that. Nice, nice. And you shared so many, but before you go, just a piece of advice or a quote, uh, something that you've come back to that you share with folks as you're mentoring them that, that has uh, been very profound for you. You have to have, as an entrepreneur, you have to have a pretty good sense of humor. <laughs> awesome. No, if you, yeah, if you're not laughing at yourself and laughing at what's been, been thrown at you on a particular day, right? You're 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 exactly right. You're exactly right. Uh, Joe, this has been been a treat. I'm so so glad you you had the time to do this today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. If folks want to learn more about Mentum or learn more about you, how can they find you? Uh, Mentum.com. M-E-N-T-U-M-M. Two M's. At the end, mentum.com. Uh, my email is uh, joe at mentum.com. Beautiful. Joe, thanks so much for joining us on Grow Your Damn Business Podcast. It's just been a, just been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure getting to know you here over the last six to eight months and, and for agreeing to do this. It's, uh, it's been a real treat. And I hope, uh, hope folks that listen are able to take something away from here. You had some great well, stuff to share. This is a valuable podcast. You're doing great work. So thank you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your time. Have a great one. The Grow Your Damn Business Podcast is hosted by Scott Goodrich, a professional EOS implementer. To learn more about EOS and how it might help grow your damn business, you can email Scott at scott.goodrich at eosworldwide.com or check out his website at www.eosworldwide.com forward slash Scott hyphen Goodrich. Thank you for listening to the Grow Your Damn Business Podcast. If you found this conversation valuable, subscribe to our YouTube channel and find us on your favorite podcast platform. We will see you next week on the Grow Your Damn Business Podcast.